Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Of the Comics, By the Comics, For the Comics. Oh, this is going to be a good one. Today's guest, we have the fantastic Morgan Jay and Chris Turner, two incredibly talented individuals who are wonderful comedians who have successfully integrated their musical talents into their performances. And that is the topic of today's episode, uh, music and comedy performances. I'm your host, Pat Truer. Uh, Morgan and Chris, we're going to go right into it. So for our listeners who don't know you two, in a few minutes, let's start with Morgan. Who are you? Uh, yeah, so I'm a musician and comedian based out of Los Angeles. Uh, I've been doing comedy for 14 years now. Uh, doing music comedy has been in my act for about eight years. And... Uh, yeah, I went to theater school, and then I was started stand-up when I was 20 in New York, and um, I've just had a lot of fun kind of evolving and growing and, and writing music and things like that. You know, it's been a lot of fun. Oh, wow. Right to that. That's, that's an that. abridged. That's an abridged version. There's a whole long conversation about the evolution of that, but yeah. Well, we're going to uh, get into that. Chris, who are you, buddy? Uh, I'm British, as you can tell. <laughs> I mean, I have to lead with it, otherwise people go... Who's this Australian on the podcast? Um, yeah. I'm British, uh, very similar to Morgan. So I've been going 12 years. Um, I'm in New York now, but I started in the UK, spent some time in Los Angeles. Uh, and after maybe three or four years of being kind of solely a gangster with one-liners and witty puns, I started weaving into my act my uh, my musical comedy, which is specifically freestyle rap and more recently has expanded into non-rap styles be they improvised or prepared in advance so that's that's me what were the series of events that led you to start to uh, integrate uh, your freestyling into your performances was there was there an individual or something that happened where you're like i think i want to start trying this yeah, so I'd been I'd been freestyling for much longer than I'd done comedy, and I'd done improv comedy at university, and I really enjoyed it, but I didn't see it as part of my act because I I, I don't know if Morgan felt this as someone who started doing musical comedy later than they started stand up. I felt musical comedy was quite hacky and easy, mm. um, and that's just because I was jealous that they could get rounds of applause. Uh, and the, at the time, you know, I was a guitarist before I was a comedian, but I was terrible at it. So I was doing a kid's comedy show at the Edinburgh Festival. And at the end of the show, I, I would just kind of ask a couple of kids like, hey, do you have any toys with you? And they'd have like a toy, you know, dog or a dinosaur or something. And I'd bring them on stage and I'd be like, hey, you know that you know that your toys are really great, like boy band or whatever, toy band, or some dumb pun. <laughs> and then I'd do an improvised song with the, the toys and then like if they had a dinosaur the dinosaur would do a rap because Jurassic 5 that oh, cuz yeah, again I, I, I was a punster so i was just looking for easy puns and there was a critic who was dating one of the comedians which is definitely a conflict of interest and they just said <laughs> they were like hey that's they i don't think they thought i was very funny but they thought that the rap was impressive and even though kids didn't it didn't think it was impressive because i've always said like kids would go so what i can freestyle my name's Max. I like football. I ride the bike and chocolate is good. You're like, that's not a rap, dickhead. <laughs> and then their parents are like, don't call my son a dickhead. Like, Teach your son how to rhyme. So I started doing it 
that's funny <laughs> i started doing it at my i started i started doing it in my kind of evening shows for adults and the crowds loved it i was like oh my yeah. god this is so easy uh and fun and so gradually i in increased my freestyle rap output um because for yeah. me that was just a fun thing i did like why would you put that on stage but people liked it so i i had to and now i actively it's the best part of the show right <laughs> but back then i was hesitant yeah so, yeah morgan what was it like for you buddy i i that a lot of that resonates with me i was doing stand-up for about six years um i went to theater school and i had i had just had my second audition for montreal doing stand-up the montreal comedy festival and i just was like running the same six minutes over and over and over and over and over again and you know i was like really like i want i really wanted this thing like the montreal festival and then it didn't happen and so i kind of hit a wall creatively because i was like I don't, I don't like doing that i don't like just reciting the same joke i don't know if i could do that for however long you know what i mean mm -hmm. um and then a friend you know who who saw me play guitar and i always played guitar and sang since i was like 16. um I was just fiddling around and he was like, why don't you do that on stage? Like, why don't you try that more often? Like, that's really fun. And then you sound good. So I took a summer after that round of Montreal editions and I, um, I wrote two songs and, uh, I just basically took it around the, like to open mics and shows and kind of similar to Chris is that the response was really, really positive. And not only that, like I was really nervous. I would, sh I was shaking when I first started doing the singing and the music comedy, because it was like, I was doing that mostly for myself, like the music stuff, just like on the side, just singing at home and things like that. So I was really, really nervous about it, but that was what people liked the most. And then with the, the musical improv and the musical crowd work, which is what people kind of like the most, which is kind of funny. I, I don't know, Chris, if this, if this relates to, to you, but like a lot of industry people, when I've pitched, they don't want crowd work in like a five minute a TV appearance or, they don't want that, right? Yeah. So like, if you tell your manager, like, listen, like, trust that this will be good. This is literally what crowds want. This is like the funnest part of the show. But they're like, well, if you're submitting the late night, they don't like that. But anyway, the the crowd work stuff kind of came from, I was doing these things called So Far Sounds. And So Far Sounds are actually music shows that um, they're like secret shows that happen around the world. And you do a... A, a very intimate crowd of you know between 40 to 70 people they're all kind of sitting on the floor kumbaya and it kind of gave me the opportunity to uh because like nobody there was a comedian besides me right so the, the benefit was these crowds expectations on musicians to be funny is very low right so and also the set the sets for these shows were 20 to 30 minutes and you know in los angeles it's kind of unheard of as a comedian to get more than 10 to 12 minutes at the most so i was kind of really lucky to kind of develop this crowd work skill like in the shadows where i didn't have to do it during normal comedy shows where you know you have your comedy peers in the back of the room and, and i me personally i can't help but wonder what they're thinking about me up there with a guitar doing crowd work if it goes well because like you kind of have to you know living in la or new york for that matter it's like you're kind of like in a showcase city in a way like you don't have the benefit of being able to develop you know so that's kind of what happened so for a couple of years three or four years i was doing the crowd work stuff and kept writing songs and then little by little you know we're, we have two albums i'm getting ready to do another hour and the TikTok stuff like the crowd work stuff blew up there and 
that's what people like just like chris it's like and also it's more fun to be honest with you than doing the straight stand-up it's a lot more fun for me because it keeps every set kind of exciting you know so it seems to be consistent with both of you is that yeah. once it became fun for you that's when it really it sounds like you started to focus your energies on it yeah. which was i mean had to be tremendously rewarding in so many different ways absolutely and also i think music has replay value right because i'll do shows now and i'll do an hour somewhere and then people who've seen me on TikTok or youtube will request an old song like a comedy mm -hmm. song so you're kind of like huh because you, you you know like unless you're a super huge jim gaffigan or ellen degeneres and you have these like, classic bits like the hot pockets bit you know, it's rare that you have an audience that's like, do the, do the hot pocket, you know, like it's rare that they requested a joke from a long time ago, you know, but music is different where you could like, you know, have an encore, right? I did a show in New York and they like do a little encore. And I was like, all right, you know, <laughs> so it's, it's, it's a, it's a little bit different. And I think we're lucky in that we can kind of occupy these two spaces at the same time. But I, there is a little bit of insecurity when you are doing shows in front of like those hardcore stand-up comedy peers that, you know, they see with a guitar or with your rapping up there. I don't know. Yeah. I am um, on the, on the encore thing. I always really hate that. There's a club in the UK that the MC is amazing and loves me, but like he'll always be like, I'll finish it. Go, do you want another five? Like when I'm coming off, and I'll be like, I don't want to have to follow myself. Like that's <laughs> right. No, the rap, for sure. The rap closes shows more often than not because it's pretty hard to do anything beyond that. Now I'm not saying comedians can't like playing at the cellar. I'll get put on at the end of shows, which is great because I I'll go on after Chris Rock, and it's oh, good to me yeah. to know that. Well, one, it's easy to follow big people because the audience are like, well, we've got our money's worth. We don't care. And all you have to do is just acknowledge it. Like I walk up and say, ah, hey, um, I'm like the British Chris Rock. And everyone's like, ha, 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 cool. And then I know that I've got the rap at the end. So people are like, oh, cool. We see why he was on afterwards. I'm not saying that the crowd go crazier for me than they did for Chris Rock. But but then also th there are people that will go on after me because like, you know, someone will drop in who's real big as well. Like and then they'll go on and it's not like they have a problem following the rap they'll just be like they'll just go on and address it be set. like oh yeah that was cool and then like do their set but yeah the the i hate i always hated encoring because of that um unless i'm like i was like oh i'll keep my rap in reserve for the encore but then that's awful because like i don't have a closer i don't have right. a closer because i close my rap um the the thing about late night this is just a, a thing that hopefully will be happening more. Um, I had the same thing with Morgan, like applying to late night and like the shows we applied to were like, nah, we just want a set. We don't want the improv. And then yeah. uh, I just taped Colbert with a freestyle. And that was because the, the person who booked it saw me do it enough and kind of pushed it enough and was like, look, it won't go wrong. Was that, and was then that the Jessica? Show, was her name yeah. Jessica? Yeah, Jessica. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, she was like really pushing for it. And then the show were like, oh, we'll have the set. They were like, we'll book you for the set, which was cool for me to be like, oh, cool. Well, my jokes alone are good enough. But then like 20 minutes after I got told I'd got the set, they just said, actually do the freestyle. Let's <laughs> let's go for that. And I was like, I was like, okay, great. Cool. Um, which because... kind of like, do you, do you find like, it almost is like they don't know what they want right like, that's what it feels like like if they see it felt, like, it felt like that with previous shows i think with this one it was just like 
it was so cool to be get to told it and then, like told that I could do that. And then when I was there at speaking to the people, they were like, "Oh, by the way, like your jokes would be fine, but like we think this is going to smash it." And I'm like, yeah. "Well, I hope so." And you know, we'll see when it airs if it looks like I smashed it. They could edit it so it looks terrible. Um, yeah. But I'm hoping that that for me personally. It's cool to say, hey, look, I have tape on this show of me improvising and it went well. Yeah. Because it will go well because it, it's never going to go bad. We've done it like a thousand times. It's, it's, yeah. You know, you wouldn't do it if it, if it could possibly fail. But then the joy of improv is it looks like it could fail and therefore the audience go crazy. Um, and so hopefully that will also open up a bit more. You know, this is not a thought I had while doing it, but like from what you're saying, I'm like, oh yeah, because there are other comics who do improv yeah. in their stand-up who are good stand-ups, and you know it's going to be good. There's no reason why that can't be on late night. So, can I ask you a question? Mm. Um, was there a point? Because I know for me, like I would do the crowd work, and for a couple of years, I always had this feeling of like it still might not. It like it always went well, but there was like I don't know if there was a time, a moment for you where like now every time you go on, you're like it's going to be fun. Like there's no insecurity anymore. Like there used to be a time when I was improvising or doing the crowd work where I was like, Oh, this, this might not go well tonight. This might be the night that it doesn't go well, but I mm. like that hasn't happened. Do you know what I mean? Uh, I've, I've never had that for the listener. I am a tall, straight white man. <laughs> that, that goes some way to answering that. Um, I, yeah. As soon as I started doing improv comedy, I was like, I was like, oh, this is always going to be good because I'm well funny. Um, yeah. And so I think if you don't have that or if I didn't have that, I wouldn't be able to do it. I always say when people ask me, what's the secret to freestyling or just improvising? Like the secret is being so comfortable. Just and just having if, fun, really. Yeah. If you're at any point doubting that you can do it, that's when it will fuck up. Like, yeah, I've gotten nervous in big shows. Like I was nervous in the Colbert taping because I was like, but it was more just me going, don't say anything offensive, Chris. Uh, in the yes. freestyle, don't balls it up and be like, you know what? Screw Trump. Someone did suggest Trump in the freestyle. And I was just there like, I just have to be neutral about this yeah. because this going on TV, I know big Trump fans don't watch Colbert, but I don't want to get death threats. That's yeah. like, I do comedy for fun. And then when you hear all about these people getting death threats, I'm like, oh, that's not why I got into this. Yeah. So, But then all again, I get fewer death threats because straight white man. Of course. They were like, you're one of us. How could you? Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, How dare you? <laughs> you're talking about so. like improv and like the secret, but really, uh, right. It's just doing it over and over. Right? Yeah. You're getting on stage and it's like, I don't know. Do you two ever set goals for yourself with individual performances or did you do that early on uh, as you started to explore with improv in your sets? Um, I'll, the, when I started with the music, I was just writing songs, like just comedy songs. Um, so it wasn't until like two or three years into doing that when I started doing the crowd work and realizing how much people liked it, that now every actual bit or song that I write incorporates a crowd work moment into it. So basically if I'm writing a comedy song, it's like, you know, verse chorus, uh, okay, let's, let's ask these questions about the topic we're singing about in the middle of the song and then end with like chorus, chorus or whatever. You know what I mean? So realizing that, so now it's like a, there, it is a little bit structured in that way. Did I answer that qu the question, or I forget what the question was? Yeah, just goals, just goals to work oh. on improv. Or just oh practice. yeah, yeah. So yeah, basically every song that I write that's not crowd work in, has to include some sort of crowd work moment in it. You know, that's the because that way the song stays fresh no matter 
where I do it or how many times I do it, you know? Yeah. So, I think that's really yeah. interesting as someone who's like my, the show I'm touring at the moment and just did in London is uh, a musical comedy show when it, it starts with a freestyle, it ends with a freestyle, it has one in the middle, but then all the songs in between are all written. And yeah. uh, I'd not, I'd not thought about kind of hybridizing. Oh, uh, it's, it's, it makes every, and it makes it easier. It like also lengthens every bit, right? Because it's like, it makes the crowd work about the bit, like related to it rather than being like, hey, who here has done this, right? Like you could be like, here's a song about my girlfriend trying to move into my apartment. And then I could be like, then in the middle of the song, I'd be like, you two are, are married, right? It's like, where's your, where does your stuff live? You know, and, mm -hmm. and then it like, it kind of so like well. feeds into the, it feeds into the bit. So, you know, if you end up like, I, I think it's a fun way to keep it. And you could also have more bits and be a little bit more flexible with your songwriting. You know, you could write yeah. more songs. Yeah. That's fun. I think that's definitely easier with a self accompaniment because you can yeah. presumably you're just doing this with guitar. So you're, oh, right, you're right. just, you're just vamping underneath. Totally. Whereas I'm just like, okay, cool. I need to have bars on my sampler. I can loop to do that. Yeah. with. But then again, that's fine. I mean, my, you know, my goals at the moment is this show I'm going to be working on and doing for a while because I do my shows around the Edinburgh Festival and I haven't done Edinburgh for three years because of COVID for two years yeah. and the first year green card stuff. So I've got to do this show in Edinburgh before I start working on it. Well, before I start thinking about a new one properly, I'm still always working on a new show. And yeah. for that one, my goal is like to have guitar in it and to maybe have some basic piano um yeah but that's you know it's never going to be you, i can't get good at piano in two years to the point where i can play anything impressive whereas guitar it's like no i just you know it's easy enough for me to do that i just suck at singing while playing guitar um, <laughs> i suck at singing but i don't care about that because auto-tune right yeah um i love that i love that now in my show i have like one bit where i sing but because it's so heavily auto-tuned people are like wow that's so yeah. cool and it, oh, very good. You know what I mean? It's you definitely the auto tune is a game changer, changer absolutely for sure. <laughs> but you can sing quite nicely anyway, Morgan. You you have a very That's nice, a uh, nice kind of soapy bubble bath voice. Little so little Michael, little Michael Bublé vibe. To well, to speak to what you're saying about the piano, I'm pl I'm planning to start incorporating the piano into my act, and I literally started practicing in February. I bought like a little Casio. And I practice every day, like 30 to 40 minutes, maybe 30 minutes to an hour every day. But I think all you really need to learn is like the chords, you know, the chord changes. Um, and I figured like, look, what, if we say it takes 10,000 hours to, to get good at something, if, if I play this every day for 30 minutes to an hour, we're saying maybe like four to three years, you know what I mean? And then in that time, we could still incorporate, like to get good enough to, to really feel comfortable yeah. in the app. You don't need you know, to be that good. You need to be fine. Like, yeah, you just need to be okay. And I think w even with a year of practicing it, you probably, you'll probably be farther along that you, than you think, hmm. you know? I don't know what kind of chords you're looking to do or what kind of vibe like I'm doing. Yeah, this. real jazzy stuff, real. Is that weird? Is that weird? Well, <laughs> no, no. Okay, so, right, okay, I see what you're saying. Okay, well, if you're doing just like major minor chords, you just run through those exercises for like, a couple months and you'd be surprised at how well you pick it up you know so on note of the piano your old buddy pat is i've i've always been fascinated with people playing the piano and so this past two years i've been trying to teach myself through an app how to play the piano play in like 30 minutes a day and i was like my goal is to just get on stage and to have fun with that in whatever mm -hmm. capacity 
and Kelvin Evans, uh, you guys have both done shows with him with me. Uh, he is, has the same goal and I went to his show and what he does is he actually is just memorizing a few songs yeah. and he's like, it's just for me, I memorize those songs. I get on, I play them. It helps me develop, uh, my comfort level. And then I get to still play the piano, even though I'm not like a, you know, I'm not going to Juilliard tomorrow. Uh, it's, and I watched him do it and it was incredible. I'm like, okay, yeah. that's like shifting my goal. Cause I, I, I don't have this goal to be this amazing penis. I have this goal to just play a couple songs and have fun with it on stage. Uh, and when he showed me and I saw it in action, I thought, yeah. And then like Morgan, what you're just saying, if just learn a few chords, uh, yeah. any listeners or even you two, if you haven't seen, um, Netflix has a wonderful series uh, about pop. Uh, it just Netflix pop explained. I think anyways, yeah. it just talks about all these uh, Swedish producers who they would like hold up three fingers and they'd be like, this is the moneymaker. And they would yeah. just play one, like four these. five. Yeah. And, uh, and they would do that. And also there's a wonderful part about auto tune, just since we were referring to that of T-Pain of his struggles to go through of like got criticized and now is like considered a genius for doing it. I mean, have we all watched T-Pain unplugged? Cause that's a great YouTube video. Oh my video. God. On the, the, the tiny desk concert. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, he talks about how like, yeah, he like, yeah, he talked about that. And now also he streams on Twitch, by the way, he's like a streamer now, which is like, I loved, <laughs> I, I love to see it. Cause he's like making music, playing video games. It's so cool to see an artist like that pivoting at that level. Do you know what I mean? It's very mm. cool. Very cool. On, on the pivot level, I think something that I think is so cool with both of you is that you started to do what you love and made you feel good. And then in the classic saying of do what you love and the money will follow when the pandemic hit, both your format of just working with you so often, your formats of what you're doing and your unique skill set has played really well with the transition uh, entertainment on to Zoom or whatever virtual platform people have created. And like you've been able to deliver happiness to people and uh, you're more sought after uh, as a result. And like it's clear like you're doing what you enjoy. Uh, and, you know, people start to say that and it's hard to believe that when people are at the <laughs> bottom and they're not. Hey, they're not getting the uh, compensation they're hoping for, yet you two, uh, because of your ability to integrate what you love and do what you love, has played really well <clears throat> and will continue to do so no matter what happens with the evolution of comedy and performance for the rest of our lifetimes, which I think yeah. is a, a really cool thing about both of what you're doing. Oh, thanks, Pat. Yeah, that's nice of you to say. I think, uh, let me ask you this, Chris, like at the beginning of the pandemic, did you find that like, while all the other comics were saying no, were you just saying yes to, I was saying yes to everything. Were you saying yes to everything? And just saying, yeah, hey. my situation was like my college agent just suddenly was like, I have all these college shows and a bunch of comics can't do them, right? They, you know, they've kind of said, well, I can't do it. I'm not doing a virtual show. Do you want to do it? So I just was like, that just sounds like a Twitch stream. Yeah. Um, and oh so my. I just did an hour. Each college show was just me being like, hey, let me rap for you guys. So I did a bunch of those and then, you know, over time you refine it and you're like, how do I make it more interesting? And by then other people are kind of catching up and like, oh, they've got to, yeah, but it took everyone like three months, mainly yeah. because everything was sold out, right? If you wanted a green oh, right. screen, if you wanted all these things, they were sold out. Whereas I just had everything because yeah. I was doing it on, you know, streaming anyway. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I was very fortunate with all that. Um, yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a pretty easy thing to do. I mean, it's so nice now to be back live but yeah there's still going to be virtual stuff like i'm i'm oh, still yeah. i love planning on i love the i personally that. love the not commuting to places you know yeah 
it's uh having not to i don't like the live shows but you're at least in la you know like I, I forgot how much time is wasted sitting in these cars it's truly like i get angry now because when during the last year we're just home we have lunch we log on do a gig log off and then you're like yeah moving on to the next task you know yeah so. with the live college shows coming back i look at like you know obviously they're more expensive in person but i do look at the difference between what i was charging and what i'm charging now and it's you know you're yeah. kind of bounded by like what everyone else is charging for live stuff and i go huh i would rather earn less and stay home a hundred percent one thousand percent you Go know bed by nine o'clock well yeah, i thought it was interesting it's lovely an agent asked me which, which was kind of really like a booking agent was like um all right how much money will it take you to leave your home what's your ideal price and what's your dream price you know so it's like kind of we have to reevaluate like how much money it will take us to like fly to kenosha wisconsin to do a show at a university that six students may show up to do you know what yeah. i mean because so, six people show up to the virtual shows but at least you have right. to fly yeah. yeah i mean this this is a this is a thing i I've, I've always found interesting whenever i when i moved away from the uk i got more in demand in the uk and so i <laughs> and i didn't want to be flying back to the uk all the time so i just like put my prices up spectacularly i would quote them silly money that like no one should ever pay <laughs> And it, it would always just, people would just go, oh, thanks for that. It doesn't fit the budget. But then occasionally someone would go, yeah. And you're like, amazing. Great. Amazing. I'll, fly, I'll fly home for that. That's a treat. Wow. I hope with, uh, I hope that because of virtual comedy existing, that, that it does change the game for compensation for talented comedians who deserve it. Like, you it won't well though. It well. won't, Pat. It won't. <laughs> like wages have not risen in any industry. Um, comedy definitely not. Like in the UK, all the clubs pay the same or less than they used to 15, yeah. 20 years ago. They all don't pay cash in hand anymore, which not that I ever accepted cash in hand gigs. Obviously, I declare all my earnings. Um, uh, that's actually a true statement. A lot of people got sh shafted in the UK because yeah. our government was like, hey, if you're self-employed, like a comedian, we will give you money during the pandemic based on the percentage of your earnings to try and make up for that. So I, I pay tax in the UK because I perform there and they were like, yeah, we can give you money during the pandemic. So I claim back a percentage of it was like grants. Right. Yeah. But so many comedians, because they don't declare their earnings, were like, I don't I'm not getting any money. And it was like <laughs> at the time, you know, it's yeah. hard to not go. Well, that's why that's why you don't try and defraud the system. And again, uh, maybe in the long run, they made more money. But yeah, it's uh... <laughs> no, it's 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 true. Like my my account, I was I was doing my taxes for last year, and I was kind of like shocked at how much money was in my Venmo and my PayPal's from all the virtual of the gigging we did, you know. And I told him, I said, I got to be honest. I told my account, I was like, I, got, I made like a substantial amount of money through just like these small Venmo transactions, and they were like, well. I think it's in your best interest because you're like a sole proper, a freelancer, and you guys are the number one targeted like people to get audited for stuff. So mm -hmm. you probably want to declare that income. But also for people like us, we write all of this off, like all this equipment that we have. Yeah, we have. It's, it's crazy to me. During yeah. the pandemic, I spent so much on guitars. So much. And I asked my accountant, I was like, look, I'm not playing these on stage. They're like, but are you working on songs? I'm like, well, I'm always working on songs. They're like, cool. Their songwriting yeah. tools. I'm like, 
Really? This is fab. Yeah. I, you know, this. I'm in a soundproof, soundproof, a soundproof, <laughs> a soundproof booth. That's a good tongue twister. Soundproof yeah. booth. Uh, and like, that's brilliant, right? This is going to yeah. be double duty because it means that, you know, it's not just performing. Like, say I've got a loud dog, put it in here. It's not loud anymore. <laughs> and it's just great that you can have all this stuff, yeah. dream stuff, and it's tax deductible. And, what? And, but that's just, and that's why I think like it's in our benefit to kind of declare as most of our income because that way, because the thing is, if you don't declare a lot of it, then they say, Oh well, it's kind of a hobby that you didn't make so much. You like made a lot. You were at a yeah. loss because I still got a re refund, even with all the money. You know what I mean? That we I don't. Yeah, I think it's, I, it's. I have a friend. We were doing shows in New Zealand at a buskers festival. So like, there's this kind of vibe there that you get tickets. People buy tickets, but they're cheaper and people donate at the end. So we were four comedians doing the one comedy show at the festival. On the way out, we all held a hat. And we made this big deal of it where we'd just say, hey, put some money in the hat of the comedian you like the most. Uh, if that makes you feel awkward, put money in all of our hats. And that way, everyone would get cash in the hat. And then we just went backstage, put it on the pile, divide it up. Like, it was all even. Even Because you know, one of you might have a bad gig, one of you might have a great gig. doesn't yeah. matter. We all got the same. That's nice. Uh, and so we had, at the end of the show, all this cash. And it was just under the amount of cash you're allowed to take into the UK legally, but without declaring it. But like one of the guys was like, I still feel weird about rocking home with all this cash. So he got it in his head to buy a diamond. He was like, I'm going to buy a diamond. And so he went and bought a wholesale diamond. And the guy, he's like, look, don't screw me on this one. I know diamonds are more expensive, but I want to be able to get home, sell this diamond and take like a 10% hit. And, and the guy's like, okay, cool, this one. So he buys the diamond, gets home. First thing that happens, his girlfriend sees a diamond in his oh, bag no. and he's like oh my god you got this for me for an engagement ring and he's like yeah that's oh no uh, so his girlfriend has the most beautiful diamond this last <laughs> very expensive diamond um <laughs> that's so funny yeah terrible so don't do that don't do okay. that just keep uh, the cash solid gold bars that's what you should buy <laughs> Listen, this is, I didn't anticipate this, but I'm so happy that this topic of the business side has come up because we do want this to be a resource for comedians. Really quick, comedians, we've been throwing out some terms here. For those of you that don't know, number one, it's a great idea to establish yourself as a business entity. Mm -hmm. Suggested use is an LLC, which stands for Limited Liability Corporation. That's a good starting point. What you are doing is essentially creating an entity on paper registered with the government so that you can run your business, you can declare your earnings, declare just means report to the government, which is if you just listen to anything Chris and Morgan just said, you want to do that because then you can take advantage of what you spend the money that you earn on. So if you're in music, you want a guitar, microphones, uh, even Uber rides to a gig, uh, something directly related that you can easily say this is it. Another mistake and number and also when you're establishing an LLC, don't pay someone to establish an LLC for you. There are a lot of people out there that will charge hundreds of dollars or thousands of dollars to establish an LLC. All you need to do is go to your own state's government's website, the Secretary of State for, let's just say, California. Uh, mm. California actually does cost $800, so not a great state to establish an LLC in. However, like Wyoming, I think, is $20. You can establish it through the website. It's just a matter of putting in your name, uh, where you live, and what you want the name of your LLC. So it could be like 
Morgan J LLC, Chris Turner LLC. And then what you do is you go to irs.gov. And after you've done your through the state website, you just sign up for a tax number for your LLC. Mm. And it takes all of 10 minutes to do. So it's uh, Morgan J LLC. You go to irs.gov. What do you do? There's like a category other, and you can just write in entertainer. And then you just get a special number, which is like a social security number for your business. And that is simply a way for you to your business, your LLC, this entity that exists on paper that allows you to do everything that Chris and uh, Morgan just said uh, to be registered with the government. That's all it is. That's I'm all taking notes is. right now because I only have a soul. <laughs> I have uh, only have a soul prop and I have multiple friends who are like, you should do an S corp. You should do this or that. And it's like, we don't want to get too much into the jargon of it, but like every, all of these things have their own benefits and their own disadvantages, yeah. depending yeah. on how much money you make. It may not be, you know, my, yeah. there's my different corporations for different monies that you go through. Yeah. yeah. I have a, I have a loan out company. That's my, that's what I yeah. use. So, um, you know, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and you start it's, simple, and we are not registered financial advisors. We are not. Yeah, of course, course. we yeah. should say that. And right. I'm British, right? I'm, you know, in the UK, <laughs> I was registered as a self-employed comedian for like three years before I made any real money from it. Yeah. And those three years of losses, because I'm driving to gigs, I'm, you know, spending all this money getting there and earning 20 pounds at the end of the show. They were like, cool. So you don't have to pay tax till you've recouped all these losses. I was like, this is amazing. And other people don't set up early enough. They miss out on that. But like, it was mind blowing to me to see how generous the US is with what you can deduct. Because I was oh, like, yeah. my accountant's like, okay, so what shows did you go see? Like tickets that I've gone to see shows that I would want to see. Any I want to see that comedian. I bought a ticket. They're like, that's deductible because you're learning. That's research, Netflix yeah. subscriptions. You're watching specials. I'm like, really? This is all wow. Like, yeah, yeah you got to do know, it. You want to know a fun tax deductible that I learned about? Any car that is over 6,000 pounds is tax deductible. So for example, if you want to get that nice Tesla SUV type truck, apparently it is over 6,000 pounds and you could deduct that as a deduct, like on your taxes. Because it, it, it becomes like a, a, a kind of utility vehicle? Yeah, because cause it cause we got to drive to gigs, right? We got to drive to and fro to gigs. But so, a light car doesn't count? Apparently it's because that well, it's getting lumped in with like those those pickup trucks and those big trucks that people use for constructions and things like mm. that. So those trucks tend to be really really heavy. So if the car tr or falls into the class of over six thousand pounds, then like even if you go to car websites, they even have a section for like tax deductible vehicles that you could choose the car. So like people know kind of what they're doing here in the states, like. You know, they're like, oh, I'll get this car. So I'm like, maybe I'll get a Tesla, even though I can't afford it. And then just like yeah. deduct it. <laughs> a guy came don't up to me after that. a show in London. <laughs> don't do that. And he just said, idea. he was like, are you going to be touring soon? I was like, yeah. He goes, make sure you start your tour in the Isle of Man. I was like, what? He's like, yeah, tax loophole. Every big comedian does it. I was like, I've never seen comedians gig in the Isle of Man. He's like, they don't actually do a show. The tour just starts there. At tax reasons. I was like, this sounds really shady. I think you're going to whip out a badge and be like... <laughs> Uh, listen, I want to jump in on two things here just for our listeners, because I know some will be like, whoa, I can buy a Tesla and just write it. No, off. right. <laughs> Number one, write-offs. Some people don't know what a write-off is or what that means. 
very simply put with the business, what we're talking about, if you make $100, very simply put $100, and you spend $60 on a toy Tesla, uh, right, then what happens is your tax rate is that $40 remaining, whatever your tax bracket is, you get taxed on that. It doesn't mean if you buy a Tesla that like, essentially, you're getting a free car, right, right. I think a lot of people have a misconception that, oh, it's a write off. No, it's yes, it is important to integrate, but it's not the amount you're thinking. So don't bank. It's like a percentage buying. of something, right? Yes, it's a small yeah. percentage. It means the item you bought, you're saving like 20% on whatever it is. Yeah. And no, we're not. I, yeah. It's not free. <laughs> right. Well, some people think that. So, so I want to put it out there because this yeah, is no, you're right. a resource. And then also, Morgan, on the car, if you're going to do that and then you're doing it under your LLC, get insurance. You get a separate insurance policy for that oh. on the business, a general liability. Listeners, you can go and find entertainment insurance brokers, simple Google search. You get insurance, general liability insurance for your LLC, which covers things and can and depending on the policy, can cover your car because it becomes a separate classification. Yeah. That's that's enough business talk. If we yeah, let's uh, let's stop that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you need to put a voiceover in, like skip forward ten minutes of this podcast if you do not care. Just about business just stuff. mute my voice yeah. during the whole episode. <laughs> if you keep your cash in a bag under the mattress. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that, so that, what were some turning points for you guys with the music in your acts that were like? things that you look back on and be like, wow, that really did change the game for me. Uh, do you want to start? You want to take this one, Chris? So more recent, a recent one is at the cellar. They have a live band and Ooh. playing with the live band. So it's, it's a drummer and a pianist and the pianist usually has like a couple of keyboards. So you got, you know, extra stuff they can do. Playing with a live band with the freestyle is like another level. Like you're guaranteed to get the crowd losing their minds at the end of it. And a lot of that is because um, they'll emphasize what you're doing. So even mm. if you're build like they can tell you're building up to like a, a good bar or a punchline and they'll drop out. So you'll be like, you know, like buttered toast. And everyone goes, whoa, he rhymed buttered toast. What? And then even if you don't rhyme anything exciting, even if they cut out, even if the beat's like, doom, doom, boom, boom, and then it just goes quiet and you say something, the crowd are like, whoa, Pavlovian response. So that's been a recent thing. I'm like, oh shit, yeah. If I had a special, I'd have a live band. Um, and then I think kind of more in the past was when I finally got comfortable with like using different beats on stage that kind of loosened me up a lot. You know, I'd, I'd use like the same beat for corporates because I knew it was like a banger, but then I'd also use the same beat for just club gigs. Um, and now I'm like on the day of a show, I'll just go online, find a beat I like. I'm like, cool, I'll do that tonight and then do a different thing the next day. Uh, obviously it's different with having the live band. I don't need to worry about that, but yeah. it's uh, harder for them because I'll be like, hey, cool, let's do a new beat. And they're like, well, just come up with a new one right now and they can do it, but you know, it's I'm like, if I'm doing four spots there, I'm like, hey, four new songs tonight, please. Yeah. It's a big wow. ask. But yeah, I'd say, say those are two big markers, I think. Yeah. Um, I think for me, well, you know, th those so far sound shows really kind of changed the game for me as far as like, developing my craft. But even in this last year, um, you know, using uh, like lo-fi beats, using auto, just, just adding elements to the performance, like these like vocal effects and these auto-tune effects. And um, it's kind of like, I've always been afraid to do it because 
first of all, I don't want to be seen as like, like I'm trying to rip off what Reggie Watts does or what Mark Rebier does or what Harry Mack does because I, I personally don't think I'm at all like a good I think I'm like a pretty okay improviser and and like sometimes like freestyle and it's like very I just mostly my whole thing is like just having fun but kind of like learning how to use these elements and incorporating them what <clears throat> when I incorporate them into like my future performances also this year I kind of this last year, I kind of got into legit, like actual songwriting. Um, so, you know, kind of seeing where this career can take you um, as far as I don't just have to be relegated to only comedy. You know, I know enough people now in the music industry where uh, I could be like, hey, I wrote a couple of songs or I'm, I'm also learning a lot about the music side, about like syncing. I don't know about how people make money doing that, about um that's basically getting placement in like tv shows or advertisements or, or trailers or things like that um there's just a lot more that you can do than that i that i thought originally you know so yeah, we're gonna got a uh it's gonna sound like a strange one but i think you'll stick with on this for this question you said you don't want to be seen as reggie watts and the others uh what i just know i'm not as i just know i'm not as good i know i'm not as good as them. like i'm total, totally aware i'm like still learning piano and you know, like Mark Rebier is clearly, and, and Reggie Watts, they both, I believe, probably have like strong musical backgrounds and they know theory and they know how to, like if they're playing with a band and the band's like, drop in on the fifth, on the downbeat with the on the fifth of the chord, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't know what to do. You know what I mean? Um, so I think my thing is I'm, I'm going to be seen as the guy who interacts with the crowd in a different and special way. Do you know what I mean? Um, it's all about, my whole thing is all about making that night a special moment for everybody in, in the audience, you know, yeah. um, and just finding a way to keep that kind, kind of finding ways, finding ways to push that and evolve that, you know, like I think if I do a theater show, for example, what I would do, I was talking to a lighting designer. One of the things I had an idea for was like having a ton of spotlights, uh, on the stage. And they can pick out, I'll say, hey, lighting person, hit me with two people, right? And then it's just like like a beam on these two people, you know? And so then it's just them. And then finding different ways to make it theatrical and, and make that interaction even more elevated, you know? Incredible. So, so it sounds you like know. you have a good vision in your mind of like where you want to continue to develop this. Yeah, and, and, and it's always changed and it's always evolving. I, I literally this week just came up with a new bit um that could be a whole game changer you know as far as having the crowd interact you know i i it's it's kind of like a sing-along where they sing the hook it's very simple <laughs> i i've done a lot of these music with with musicians right and they're very like sometimes musicians will show up to these acoustic shows and really ask a lot of the audience like you know asking for like a clap a finger snap maybe like a ooh, like three notes and a is and Chris, maybe you, you you could relate to this or if you've seen this, but sometimes you see artists will be like, all right, you guys do that harmony, you do that harmony, you do that harmony. This is we're all gonna sing this. And you're just like asking a lot of the audience to be a part of the act. You know what I mean? I think any more than a hand clap or a couple notes for their interaction. Anyway, this new bit involves them, but it's very simple and they could be, you know, and they'll have fun doing it, you know. That's going to be give me a lot of freedom. I feel like I answered a lot. I'm rambling. No, it's I apologize. fantastic. No, it's, it's a wonderful point on the, we had, uh, 
the show here in Chicago uh, where someone wrote a song for us that we would play at the start and the end of the, it's very simple, very catchy, but we would just have the audience clap two times and sing the chorus, which is just joke at the Oak. And we easy. found that it's super easy. And like, I would get up as a host and I would just get real animated and I'd sing along to the song. And then I would just guide them like, okay, here's how we do it. Everyone, you're going to clap when I clap. And then you're going to, and I'm going to go like this and you're going to go joke at the Oak. And I, at first it was just for fun. And then I realized as we were doing it every show, it's a wonderful way to create a herd mentality yeah. of like, we're all in this together. We're all engaged. It's like a focus of attention that gets people <laughs> to open up uh, and creates a different feel to a show. Uh, and it's, it totally uh, ups, ups the game. I mean, it does. We should, it, uh, we should each create a chorus that makes the audience say something like take the vaccine. Like for the love of God, take you know. So they just like we'll get that herd mentality going, you know. So we could do stuff. (laughs) Chris, what are your thoughts, man? I saw you nod a few times with Morgan was sharing. Yeah, I mean, I think that's uh, Morgan's putting a lot of faith in the audience. I I've tried formats like that before. I tried in a run in Orlando. I was like, oh, I want to do like a freestyle, like kind of like an like like Stan, where I have someone is my Dido and they sing the hook. And so I'd be like, hey, can I just like sample you singing something? Uh, people, you have to have the right person. Um, you know, I've done shows where like the beat will fuck up and I go, oh, has anyone here beatbox? And sometimes like you'll get someone go, yeah, and they're great. Sometimes I go, yeah, and they're just a guy who thinks Ooh. he can beatbox. And that's awkward, but because you can't really, I can't be mean to them because they've kind of, they've volunteered, but also totally. I'm British. It doesn't come across well. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah, I... Like with with the tour show at the moment, I'm like, oh, how do I get, you know, for me, learning how to get an audience to kind of do what you want. And it's super easy, right? As a comedian, I'm never going to be like, hey, in my own set, I'm never going to go make some noise. But I know that at the start of this show, like I don't have an opener, it's just me. So I walk on stage like when the lights are down and the music's playing and I just go, thank you for coming, make some noise. And everyone goes, whoa! And then the show starts and it's much better because, and like, I even have a bit where I know that at the end of the first rap, it's a freestyle, but I know the final line has to be something like, you know, kind of now go crazy or like, you know, get loud. And yeah, it's super, super easy for me as a freestyle to be like, hey, we rapped about all the people in the crowd. So now you motherfuckers better get loud or whatever. And they'll go. "Ah!" And then you have fun. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Chris, what is uh, what are I mean, Morgan was sharing how he has some ideas on on moving forward, what are some ideas that you're thinking about? Or like, what's your future looking like in your mind or things you're beginning to maybe manifest? Um, I mean, aside from just trying to add a bit more musicality to my shows um, and write comedy songs, which I did over lockdown, you know, and I worked with producers. I was like, hey, I want this type of beat and they'd make it for me. And that was cool. And I enjoyed that. Those aren't things I've done in my live show yet. And there's only one real like non rap song in this current show, which weirdly is people's favorite so that's right cool isn't that when you go out of the comfort zone they yeah tend to like it's that like an one. r&b love song and yeah. when i wrote it i was like this is hack this is shit and then i did it one night and people were walking out humming the song i was like holy mm. shit how's yeah. that happening um so that's that's interesting and now i just come up with fun song ideas right um but i don't even know like i'm i'm interested i'm kind of a, like a I'm just kind of waiting at the moment to see what's going to happen because like After we've got Colbert this, this, thing. the Colbert yeah. thing. Yeah, like yeah. does that lead to me being able to get some more work doing freestyle stuff on any TV things? Because that's what I like. Um, yeah. 
but also I'm one thing over the pandemic. I was kind of working very hard uh, with just doing all these corporates that would come up and that's great for making money. But then when live shows came back and it was like, oh, cool, I'm just going to go and do spots at the cellar tonight. That felt really nice. And it felt nice to be kind of treating stand up as just a thing I enjoy. Um, that's not to say I didn't treat it as like a job, but like when I was in LA, just go into the comedy and magic club every weekend to do sets. And then in the week, just kind of having fun and hanging with my friends and family. I enjoyed that. So I'm at the moment just enjoying kind of balancing everything out a bit more. Yeah. And uh, I'm fortunate that I can do that and not have to be like grinding. But and then I think my shows are better because I'm having more free time and more fun. But, you know, that 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 might change by uh, necessity or it might change because someone's like, hey, come and do this stuff regularly. And, and I'll be like, cool, and I'll do that. But yeah yeah at the moment i'm just enjoying things that aren't stand-up as well like like playing music and just you know being lazy with my wife it's nice yeah all right guys we got about five minutes here so uh i just want to ask this very simple question sometimes the simplest answers are the best for people who will actually take action if you were to be approached by a, an upcoming performer or somebody who is trying to integrate music uh, into their acts what advice would you give them? Uh, I'd give them the advice I give a lot of people now is uh, don't feel like this is who you are now. I think uh, people feel like, you know, they want to be a musician at the age of 18 and then they feel like that's what they have to do and they only give themselves, you know, a year to do it and then they don't do it in a year and they feel like a failure. But like you always have the opportunity to uh, change bail not a, not in a bad way you know just give give your give yourself more time to do it and know that it, you know you might not end up wanting to do it i have a good friend who uh we started comedy together he's probably one of the funniest people i know and if he kept doing it he probably would be one of the biggest comics but six years in he was like yeah i don't know if this is the lifestyle for me and then he quit and now he's like on about to be a doctor so like i i say like give yourself time and whatever you end up doing like it doesn't have to be who you are. So, Chris, what do you think? Um, this is a, a not a kind of as a theoretical and like uh, big as Morgan's. Um, it's a thing I've learned recently, especially with the pandemic. Right, I, I, this tour show I was doing in in Australia in early 2020, and I was like, oh, these songs are all great. And then I went back to it for this tour, and I was like, oh. I could rewrite some of these lines and songs yeah. to make them funnier. I think you can always make your written lines funnier. Um, and like when you've got a stand-up routine, you hone it and then it gets to a place and great. Um, and then you kind of throw it away. Like these songs are things that can stick around. Like Morgan said, people want to hear yeah. them again. Um, and I, I was like, oh shit, like there's three verses in this song. One of them's not as good as the others, but that's fine because I put it in the middle, right? Because you start to grab them, middle, repeat, and then third surprise or whatever. But I was like, oh, no, why don't I just put the end verse in the middle and then write a better end verse and then it, it's all good. Uh, I kind of think that and I used to think that um, musical comedy was quite lazy because you'd see someone they'd have one song, like one joke in a song, and it would be whatever, you know, like I'm, I'm drinking Coke right now. So like say their joke is I want Coke, not Pepsi. And that's the that's the song. And a chorus would be like, yeah, fuck you. No, I, I don't want no Pepsi. In, in the UK, <laughs> that's a big thing, right? People always like, I don't know if it is over here as well. People go like, oh, is Pepsi okay? 
and we always say, yeah, sure. But obviously no one feels that way because Pepsi's fucking piss. <laughs> um, apologies for the swearing. Um, so I used to think people would just have one joke and it was just a way of elongating the joke. And I used to like people like Dimitri Martin who play guitar under one liners. And so when I write my songs, I'm like, every line should be a joke or a funny thought or something that makes you go, ha, oh, that's cool. There must be, there has to be something. I don't think, I think I, it's something I'm guilty of, right? With my writing. So yeah, work at it. Make every line funnier. Don't just think, oh yeah, this song's good. Try and keep yeah. working on it. But that's, you know, advice for anyone. But I think especially with musical comedy, because I'm not saying you can't just have a great sing-along hook because that gets the audience involved in a different way. They're not laughing, but they're going, oh, that's catchy. But also have some good jokes in there. Can I can I piggyback back off of that for yeah. one second? Please with do. with writing the songs, like I, I rewrote a couple of songs that didn't quite make the cut a couple years ago, and I think uh, if you approach it as a musician, and I think a lot of musicians will talk about this, sometimes they have a hook only, sometimes they have a verse only, sometimes they have one line that's funny, and it just doesn't have a place in a song right now. But that's not to say like two years from now, even a decade from now you're like, I think I can finish this song now, or I think I could rewrite this. So I think it's a little bit different with jokes. Like he's saying, you know, it's a, you know, you write the joke and you kind of do the joke and then it, it, it disappears. And, you know, with songs, they can always, they could always change and evolve, especially with you look at like huge pop stars when they go on tour and they have these big medleys of their biggest hits, you know, when like they do like the final, you know, 10 minutes, it's like all the biggest hits that are, they, they're put together in one, thing so you always have the opportunity to to mess around with these bits you know yeah there's and one more chris from what you were mentioning about like the content it's just content creation which applies to, the, to any form of comedy is that there was a teacher from a class i took his name was michael mccarthy and he said be funny or be interesting yeah like if you can't and he goes if you can't be funny be interesting and and then the things will follow uh, yeah, I think I'm guilty of that in huge amounts of my Edinburgh shows <laughs> where I'll be like, hey, I wrote a new hour. And then I look at it and I go, hmm, only 15 minutes of this could go in a club. But that's yeah. fine. People love the shows. I'm just like, ah, oh, I'm I'm coasting on the fact that I talk about interesting shit rather than it's packed with jokes, which again, yeah. like I don't people come to my shows and I did a whole show about memory and Alzheimer's and none of that is club ready. But yeah. people will be like, wow, that was like, that's some people's favorite show I've ever done. And it's the least rappy, but it was really interesting. But yeah, so yeah. be funny, be interesting. And don't think one is better than the other, even though one will get you rounds of applause and the other will get you people going, hmm, I'll stroke my chin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Two, two finals to close us out. What have we not covered regards with regards to musical comedy? Hmm. I think you don't though, have to be good at music or comedy to do it. Yeah. That's, you know what? He's not wrong. He's not wrong. But if you are funny and good at music, it helps quite a lot. And it's going to set you apart. Because I think the problem is there's so many people who do it that, I'll be honest with you, this is a comic here in LA that like, they were inspired by me. They messaged me once and they were like, you know, you really inspired me to do music comedy. And then I saw their music comedy and I was like, oh God, like, <laughs> I don't... I don't would want it to have been one. it would have been worth you <laughs> never doing it to... <laughs> like honestly it's like i don't want to i don't want to be the one who inspired this like listen i want you know i was like oh god you know um, yeah so 
Okay. Uh, final question for you guys, unless you have anything that you want to ask each other uh, on this, but it's just what's a piece of advice that you've received that you have that has really worked for you uh, in your careers? Oh, my, my, my name is very personal, but it was the best advice I got, which was uh, Reginald D. Hunter, who's an American act, but works only in the UK. And on my like 10th gig, I opened for him at a gig. And uh, I was like, hey, I, I love your work, Reg. Um, do you have any advice? And he went, yeah, beef it up. And I, I was like, what do you mean? And he's like, I'm not going to tell you what that means. And so for the next year, I just kept trying to figure out what beef it up meant. And it actually meant that all I did was think about my act a lot more than I would have otherwise even though i was only 10 gigs in i was like okay what does he mean so i'd like look at everything and then in reality he was just really high when he told me this oh, so, I, so funny. I don't think it really meant anything but it, it made me think about my act more and i think that's good advice just you know be thinking about what you're doing yeah uh i'll say i have two pieces of i, I did a this show nbc's bring the funny it was like a competition reality show on nbc and i remember i was really nervous it was my first time on tv and one of the other comics this comic Orlando Liba, who's really, he's a really funny guy and, and ama super nice. And he was like, listen, don't be nervous. All these TV appearances are, they're just little commercials for you. They're just little, they're just, they're just commercials. You just do a little bit and then people will see it or they won't. And it kind of made it, cause he's, it kind of made it a little bit lighter. And also, you know, if you're, if you make it on TV once, you'll probably make it again because you're, you did it, you made it, right? So you'll probably just get on it again in some other capacity. And uh, then the other advice I got from my friend who's a, a music producer and sound engineer, and he works with some really big artists now. He's like, he just, he's like Grammy nominated. He's like, you know, I've seen all these, the, some of the biggest artists come into these rooms. And at the end of the day, man, they're just songs. Some of these guys will come in, they write like 10 songs every week and they're just songs and just move on to the next song. You don't have to be so precious with them. So they're just songs. Just, just keep trying. They're yeah. just songs. They're just songs. Yeah. <laughs> just songs. Just, and just to give you a little bit of perspective, I think statistically, like for anybody listening, I think every day something about like 40,000 songs are uploaded to Spotify or something like that. Wow. That's like something like that, like something around that number. So they're just songs. My final piece of advice would be uh, always have your laptop charger when recording a podcast because <laughs> I'm on 2% and it's about to die. So Amazing. there you go. Terrific. Yeah. Well, we're going to end it on that note then. Uh, Chris and uh, Morgan, anything you want to plug real quick while you still have that 2%? Uh, I'll go first. first. Uh, you go to my Instagram, Chris Turner Comedy. Go to my YouTube. Just look for Chris Turner Freestyle Rap and you'll be like, oh, that's pretty good, isn't it? Yeah. Cheers. Yeah, same thing. Just uh, look up Morgan J, J-A-Y, on YouTube and Twitch also. I stream uh, at least once a week on Twitch where we make up some songs, and uh, that's probably probably the funnest day of the week for me. So, yeah. Terrific. Uh, Chris and Morgan, I can't thank you enough for not only for doing today's episode, but just being so wonderful to work with. Uh, really, uh, I've learned a lot from both of you. It's so much fun to watch you perform every oh, single thanks, time. Uh, look forward to meeting you guys sometime in, uh, oh, yeah. in person after a year of doing virtual. So uh, thank you guys again, uh, everyone. 
that's going to conclude our episode of the comics by the comics for the comics follow us on instagram our handle is of the comics uh, website is of the comics podcast.com that is of the comics podcast.com our next episode will be with dario durham and vic pandia all about creating your own opportunities mm. in comedy and not getting bitter because you're lazy so uh that's the episode everyone thank you so much again morgan and chris uh thank you wonderful day chris glad the laptop made it and that's yeah. going to be the recording right there <laughs> thank you Pat. Right. thank you morgan love you to see you both hey so good to talk till next right. time friends <laughs> <laughs>